You're listening to the Maniverse Podcast, and this is the centennial episode. That's right, episode 100. This is the podcast where we talk about the business of tabletop games and explore what it takes to make a local game store an elf business. That means easy, lucrative, and fun. We believe that by learning new skills and strategies and working together, we can elevate the entire industry, make a greater impact on our local communities, and create profitable businesses that allow us to enjoy the hobbies and games that got us into the industry in the first place. Before we jump into today's awesome interview, 2020 was a year that most people will never forget. It was a year of extraordinary challenges and changes, but also tremendous opportunity. Local game stores all over the world had a tough year to say the least, but for some store owners, 2020 and the early months of 2021 were some of their most profitable months ever. So what made the difference? The ability to adapt and evolve when conditions change. And conditions are always changing. If you want your game store to not only survive but thrive in the years ahead, you need to keep adapting and evolving, both on a personal level and a business level. You, as the store owner, need to learn new skills and new strategies for success in a more digital and connected world. And as a business, you need to implement systems and processes to take the burden off your shoulders and create reliable growth without you having to sacrifice all your time and energy to the beast. And that's why I put together the LGS Success Summit last year. Well, the 2020 LGS Success Summit was a huge success, fittingly enough, right? And now it is time for the next one. The next LGS Success Summit is scheduled for September 14th to 16th, 2021. And I am aiming for this one to be better than ever. We're going with a slightly different format this time around, with day one focused on starting a new local game store. Day two is all about growth and marketing, and day three is dedicated to operations and optimizing. We're going to cover a lot of ground over the course of three days with something for everyone across the spectrum of experience. And for just $37, you can pick up a day pass and attend those days' seminars, or you can get yourself a multi-pass, which is essentially buy two, get the third day free, and get access to the entire summit. And for those go-getters that want to have access to the recordings as well as the resources and templates from each seminar, you'll be able to upgrade your Summit experience with the All Access Pass. You can grab your seat for the 2021 LGS Success Summit right now by going to lgssuccesssummit.com. I put together this summit to help game store owners like you achieve their vision for what a friendly local game store can be. And after attending this online summit, you will have the tools in your toolbox to sell more products and games with less effort and less risk reach a larger audience without spending thousands of dollars on ads that don't work, create a passionate community of customers that'll support your business and buy from you again and again, make a greater impact on your local community by connecting them in one of the most important ways possible, and ultimately build a profitable business instead of just turning your hobby into a job. I am super excited for the next LGS Success Summit, and we'll definitely have more to share as we get closer to the date, but for now, head to lgssuccesssummit.com and register today. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I am your host, Tom Traplin, and I have with me today two very special guests. Luke May is the Retail Experience Specialist for Wizards of the Coast in the UK, and Nelson Brown is the Wizards Play Network Community Manager in Seattle. And today we're going straight to the source and exploring what makes the WPN program tick, how to achieve that coveted premium status for your game store, and how to make the most of it. Thank you very much, guys, for being here. Uh, Thanks so much for having us on, Tom. How are you guys doing today? It's been a wild ride. I'm glad you finally were able to, you know, connect and schedule time for this to happen. Yeah, it's uh, great to be on the podcast, Tom. And uh, I know we've been working hard together to try and get this happening. And yeah, like you, I'm just very excited to talk all things WPN today. Yep, doing really well. It has been uh, quite the year, but you know we're uh, we're persevering things, and actually things things have been going pretty well for games in general, and especially Wizards of the Coast products. It has been an odd year, but a bit of a renaissance for the game industry. Yeah, for, for sure. sure, for sure. So today we're talking about the WPN. We're talking about premium. Going to go into the nuts and bolts of everything. But what I want to know before we really get into things, I'm super curious about how. Both of you kind of got into Wizards and kind of, why did you choose this career? Like, what's, what's so special about Wizards of the Coast? Tell me. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, for me personally, so I've been playing games, specifically Magic, since I was a pretty little kid. I was actually in first grade when I first started playing the game. And um, Wizards of the Coast, I grew up in Seattle, so it was always kind of present in my life. I used to go to some of the old, cool Wizards of the Coast game stores back when those were around. And when I got out of college, this was the first company that I looked for. I really wanted to get on board. Uh, I was living in Arizona at the time, and I applied for actually one of our game support positions, which is our, our team that used to actually answer rules, questions, and things like that. But uh, quickly switched over to our retail support team that starts working with WPN stores. So I've actually been working with our local game store partners since essentially the beginning of my career about seven or eight years ago. Nice. How about you, Luke? So from my side, um, I first saw a Magic card. Some, some friends showed me uh, a bunch of Magic cards that they picked up back when I was like 10 years old. And they said, do you know how to play this game? And I was the, the kind of geek in the group. And I was like, yeah, for sure. I've heard of Magic. It's, uh, yeah, I know how to play this game. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, so after like trying to blag that I knew how to play Magic, I then went and found a store that could teach me how to play the game. Uh, since then, I've worked in game stores myself, uh, did 10 years running all kinds of different game stores around the UK, had a bit of a background in digital marketing as well uh, before I was approached by Wizards of the Coast and uh, joined them as a WPN store lead. And the rest is history, basically. Obviously, I am a big fan of Wizards. Anyone who's listened to the podcast, most of my examples and anecdotes and anything I've talked about in terms of the hobby industry has started off with magic and some capacity so most of uh most of my hobby experience has to had to do with magic it's been my it was also my introduction to this universe of games so uh so i'm very happy to be chatting with fellow magic enthusiasts awesome same all right well let's kick this off okay so let's start off with the first question which is what is the wpn origin story so where did this program come from yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and actually the history of Wizards of the Coast working with game stores for in-store organized play, it actually predates the WPN itself by over a decade. Pretty shortly after the game first hit the streets back in the early 90s, we started working with stores to host events. Uh, some of the earlier programs, I'm sure your listeners are familiar with things like Friday Night Magic, and then a little bit later we started running pre-releases and those eventually went into stores. Those are of course still going strong to this day. It wasn't until 2008 that the official Wizards Play Network was introduced. And what this did is essentially it gave a structured framework to those programs so that game store retailers could more easily understand how all these things worked and sign up with us to start receiving support from us. Now, since then, it's continued to grow. We've actually introduced a number of new play programs. Uh, we've got new resources that we provide to retailers, and we've even actually developed products specifically for stores in the Wizards Play Network. Yeah, things took a significant step forward, like Nelson says, in 2008, when the WPM was literally announced. And to talk about my background, I remember the UK scene back in the early 2000s. It was built up of many games clubs, met in places like community halls, and they'd be running like one tournament a week. You know, these are the kind of places open for four hours in a week, you know, and people would turn up, they would play their tournaments. There'd be the additional pre-releases, sometimes qualifier tournaments as well. Uh, but if you take that to where it is now, there are well over 200 play locations in the UK alone, thousands worldwide. These play locations, they're in store, they're open all week, and they run all kinds of events, you know, not just tournaments, casual events, competitive events. And importantly, when you're at those events, you're able to buy products, accessories, and some of those venues are even offering food and drink as well. Yeah, and you know, so how the network at large works, so not the WPN Premium Program, but the broader Wizards Play Network, is essentially if you check off our requirements, so you need to be a brick and mortar game store, you, of course, need to sell Wizards of the Coast products. And importantly, you need to be interested in actually running in-store play. If you do all these things, you can sign up with us. We'll take you through an orientation process. And at the end, we'll start sending you promotional materials. So that's like advertising materials for new sets, uh, reward materials for events, things like that. We've also got a exclusive event management tool. This is actually really exciting. We just have been developing this over the last year and a half or so. We've launched it earlier this year. It's called Wizards Event Link. Super cool, a browser-based app that allows you to easily organize and report tournaments. Um, 
And importantly, when you're in the network, we list your store on our website. So you can go to our store locator, you can look up your area and find all of the official WPN stores in your region. Yeah, and Nelson talks about the tools and quite literal shiny things like the promos and things like that. But we've moved beyond just providing those things as well. So in the WPN, we have teams of dedicated retail development specialists that work across the globe. And our job is to help stores build and develop better customer experiences, grow their communities and their business as a result of this. And for me, when I joined Wizards 2018, I've seen a series of positive changes with the promos as well. So the marketing materials we send out, the products that we send out, we've made changes that have allowed us to scale up supporting stores. So as their business grows, so does the volume of promotional material we send them. I've also been very privileged to get in at Wizards of the Coast at the start of the premium program that we launched in 2019. Yeah, and that's WPN premium program really is emblematic of that change, right? Of going from just simply providing resources to actually working closely with stores towards developing their customer experience. And you may be asking, so why then? Why did we start that focus on developing stores in 2019? Well, the reality is the retail world's changing, right? And it's actually changing pretty fast. And we wanna help our WPN members flourish in this new world, right? So customers increasingly want one of two things. They want super hyper convenience, right? Where that's online shopping with fast shipping or on the completely other end of the spectrum, they want that hyper retail experience, super memorable shopping experiences, beautiful store environments, etc. So WPN Premium is all about encouraging stores to lean into that and recognizing stores that have gotten there. Yeah, it, it's keeping up in the times. So we, we talk about, you know, the 90s when it was first emerging, the 2000s when we had clubs. We've now got the WPN and we're growing WPN Premium. It's keeping up with the times. Um, and the expectations of players and fans gets more demanding as the years roll on. Retail in general is getting more demanding. That's the landscape we live in. So, you know, Premium is an extension to that. But the cool thing from our perspective is that LGS, right, local game stores, they're actually in a unique position to flourish in this new world. What they offer, face-to-face -face gaming, this requires an in-person experience. You can't fully replicate this online, right? So there's always gonna be a need for these community hubs like game stores where players can find one another and become a part of a real player community. I definitely agree with that point. It's funny, I've actually been having that conversation online recently with regards to the local game store level of the ecosystem and how, yeah. how vital it actually is to the like the, the flourishing of the hobby and the games business in general like without uh, without a retail space without a community that uh, a gathering point like i actually made that uh, joke accidentally in the last episode without the gathering there is no magic the gathering like the the, gather, it, yeah. it, it's a key point yeah. key the gathering is the lifeblood of the game right <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure and i mean how are new players discovering this game many of them are coming into game stores and doing that right so that first impression is so important absolutely absolutely so let's talk a little bit about premium. What is the difference from, you know, what it was before and what is like, what is a premium store? What does it mean? What does it look like? Yeah, so I think to, to give it the, the broadest kind of definition, it is the official designation we have at Wizards of the Coast being among the best game stores in the world. So we're talking about venues, play locations that are beautiful, comfortable environments. They have world-class customer service and great product expertise as well. And when I talk product expertise, I wanna be clear. I'm not talking about an encyclopedic knowledge of the rules here, or being able to list the stats of every card in the latest magic set, but more about knowing what each product is the store is selling and exactly what those features and benefits are for each of them. So that could be a new player coming into the store and why the latest commander deck might be relevant for their journey into magic. Or it could be about explaining the differences between a pre-release party and a pre-release event you know, making sure you understand what you're selling, events and product. It's also about warmly welcoming communities into your store, champion inclusivity, and using that as a marketable badge of honor. That's what premium gives you. And there's a host of, I mean, that's like the fluffy benefits I would say, but there's a host of tangible benefits that go with that as well. Yeah, and you know, so that focus on experience that we're looking to see in WPN premium stores and that we're encouraging, that was already happening. 
You know, over the last 10 years, we've really seen this new tier of game store emerge that has that focus on customer experience, retail experience above anything else. And in fact, a lot of those earlier stores that were already starting to do this, those were the inspiration behind the program, right? Like this wasn't us just making up all of these uh, requirements for what makes a good game store. We already saw the best that were out there and we took their lead. So yeah, a lot of good game stores, but we want to encourage as many as possible to also strive for that greatness. Oh yeah, 100%. There, there was inspiration galore when it came to premium. And I just want to say that, you know, the path to premium, getting to premium is actually its own benefit as well. And I've seen stores where they've gone on that journey, aspiring retailers tell us they see tangible improvements, they see their customer experience go up and they get comments and feedback from their players, from their community, as they're going on that journey. So that in itself is setting the premium store apart to you. Yep, absolutely. It's kind of two things. It's recognizing those stores that are already awesome and also encouraging stores to look up to them and see what they can do to get there as well. Pretty sure, I don't know 100%, but I'm pretty confident that I remember John Covello. He's the owner of the Little Shop of Magic in Las Vegas. And he was one of the very first WPN premium stores, or at least he was in that early wave designation. So I know, I know fairly well what you're talking about in terms of who you use for inspiration. So uh, I definitely understand where that was coming from. And I, that makes a lot of sense that you'd try and emulate the best of the best. Like this is, this is the standard we're trying to achieve. You know, actually I work really closely with John. Uh, not only is he a WPN premium member, he's also a part of a uh, group we have called the retailer advisory panel that help us out with decisions. So, you know, we encourage stores to work towards what we see as high quality, but we're also taking feedback directly from stores and taking those the guidance of those highly experienced retailers. Shout out to John. Again, that happens quite often on this podcast. All right. He's great. So, yeah, he is good. So let's talk about the process. What does it take for a store to get to that premium status? What do they got to do? Yeah, happy to jump in on that one. So I'm very close to my heart. And to talk about the approval process, I want to talk about how we evaluate things to start off with, like the objective criteria. This is a checklist that I was uh, very privileged to co-write in 2018, and it covers two broad categories. First one is store aesthetics. The second one is customer service. And that checklist, it's safe to say that a checklist has evolved and it will continue to do so. But at the core of those two pillars, the following things can be noted. Let's go on to customer service to start off with. Keep it friendly, make it knowledgeable. In terms of a store, make it organized, purposeful, well-lit stores, both when it comes to the merchandising and thinking intelligently and smart about where things go in your store and the gaming area as well. Speaking of the gaming area, making sure that your fixtures and furniture is of a quality nature. You know, we're not talking about uh, pop-up tables and chairs, but we're talking about something where if people are going to sit there for six hours and play in a great event in your store, they're going to feel comfortable doing so. It's also about stocking a comprehensive range of current Wizards of the Coast products. You're going to have a badge in your store that says WPM Premium. Wizards are saying this is a premium store, so they're going to need to be able to get the range of products when they show up. Other things to mention here is that, like I said, we have a team of dedicated development specialists and we will work with people on that journey. In Europe, we also have an agency as well, and we will use the agency the development specialists as a resource to support stores in achieving and sticking to these requirements. The other thing I want to mention is the, the final part here is talking about exactly how we qualify a premium store in terms of offering that badge of honor. So once you've applied for premium and gone through all of those things, we do two, two things for you. First one is a mystery shopper visit. And that is primarily to verify the customer service of the store. Finally, we get the store to submit a video submission at the end of their path to premium in which a team of retail development experts will review it as a committee and unanimously decide if that store meets our premium expectation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's worth pointing out that, of course, no store's path to premium is going to look exactly the same as another, 
right? And something we try to emphasize a lot is we're not going for one specific cookie cutter look for a store. Really what it comes down to is finding a store's strengths, right? What's special and reputable about their own brands and really leaning into that. So every store is going to have their own set of goals and challenges. Um, I will say though, there are a few common ones that I'd, I'd be happy to mention here. Uh, and fortunately, a lot of these are pretty easily addressable. It's not necessarily all about making big sweeping changes, but just finding those incremental improvements that you can make on a steady basis. Uh, so a big one here, purposeful and well-intentioned marketing materials. This is a really common one that we see when, when I visit stores. I actually, you know, before the pandemic, a big part of my job was going around to visit stores. I visited over 200 stores in North America in this capacity. And commonly what we'll see is essentially every old poster that we've ever sent out to them still being up on the wall. And, you know, I can understand the desire to want that to kind of show that you are a venerable store that's been around, but those pieces aren't really doing their job anymore, right? Not only are they adding a lot of kind of visual clutter to a store, but the more pieces you have up, the less effective each one is at doing its job of informing about a sales, you know, an upcoming event or a new product. So keeping it as minimal as possible. If you do have old posters that work really well with your store's aesthetic, that's great. We're happy to work with you on that, but make sure they have a purposeful and ideally permanent look. So put them in a frame, install them if possible. Now, so I've got to jump in on that. Like I really have to jump in on this point because I visited a store in, in 2019, I think it was, and they, they had exactly as you described, lots of different posters going on. And as I was walking around doing the store tour with them, one poster stuck out to me. I'll be honest, it was not a Magic McCavering poster, but it, it caught my eye and I was reading through it. And at the bottom of it, it said the release date of the product in 2016. So this poster that catches my eye and drags me over to it and gets me to read it is advertising an event that I can't play in because I'm three years too late for it. Uh, that's it, that's a feel bad for me so it's kind of removing that kind of thing and uh sorry to interrupt you there nelson i just thought that was a really it was a really clear example in my head of what you were describing there Oh yeah, I've seen a, a good amount of that as well in my travels. Uh, and these are exactly the type of things that retail development can help point out, right? I mean, sometimes you can kind of get that tunnel vision when you're running your business. Uh, you've just been going for so long that you don't notice these little things that are actually pretty easily changeable. One other common area for improvement that I'd like to point out is uh, merchandising, right? Just making sure you've got an intentional, purposeful looking merchandising display. Uh, that it is neat and organized, it's easy to browse, that you have items positioned in a logical way to emphasize what's most important at the time, etc. cetera. Uh, and of course, avoiding clutter, that's a big one. You know, if you do have excess merchandise, if you do have, uh, you know, inventory that's not necessarily in need of being displayed, put it into the back. There are, there are smart storage solutions that you can find. Uh, in fact, one of the new WPN premium benefits that we just announced a few weeks back uh, are some new organizational items. So things like storage bins, uh, binders, etc. So we're helping out with that with some of our materials as well. Nelson, I'm sorry, I've got to jump in on this again. It's, it's just giving me flashbacks of those those heady days where we used to be able to actually visit stores. I hope they come back soon. Um, but there was a time I visited, uh, it was up north, I think it was in the Scottish stores and some of the Northern England stores. The amount of stores, and I'm sure it was innocent, they start off with some excess draft commons left over. Somebody says, hey, I've got full sets of the cards. Can I give these to the store? And they have a small collection of bulk cards. And you can see over the course of years, and I spoke to some of these store owners, and I'm like, a quarter of your store is dedicated to bulk cards. And they're like, yeah, it's just grown out of control. And I'm like, you need to deal with that. You know, if you're going to have bulk cards, that's a really cool thing to have, by the way. You know, people giving away their draft commons, you know, put them into storage. But make it neat, make it purposeful, as, as Nelson says. And there was another store I visited. Um, they've actually become premium now, which is fantastic. And they had a really cramped, like, kind of board and card game section. It was outrageous. It was so hard to, to look at the section and understand where each product was because it was all bleeding together and we said to the retailer well, how many of these have you sold in the last two years um and if there's any of those titles there how about you rotate them take them off for a little while maybe some customers will go where's that gone and it's not gone anywhere you could just bring that up and be like oh well, actually we moved it into our stock room i'm glad you asked you know, we still have it in stock um and vice versa and it gives the merchandising area 
space to breathe and makes it compelling and makes it interesting for people who are returning back to the store multiple times. And again, Nelson, I'm sorry for interrupting, but it's it's really close to my heart what you're touching on there, man. Yeah, for sure. I mean, keeping your merchandising displays fresh can really go a long way at you know putting new attention on things and making more sales. Uh, the last common area, this is a common discussion in a lot of our retailer groups, even in our WPN Facebook forum that we have for WPN retailers, uh, is just the quality of your game area fixtures, right? So tables and chairs. I'll often say that your game space, it's the core of what you offer as a game store in terms of your services, right? So you want that to be emblematic of high quality. And if you're looking for that WPN premium badge of honor, things like tables and chairs are actually really important. Yeah, I think you and I were discussing not long ago, Nelson, about them being like the, the nucleus of the LGS, you know. And uh, I just want to say, I, I hear this a lot, by the way, that tables and chairs, when stores need to improve their tables and chairs, that could be one of the more costly things that comes with attaining WPM Premium. And there's a thing we have called the Retail Improvement Grant that can help fund renovations and projects for WPM members that are looking to pursue premium. And it gives me great pleasure. This is announced very recently but we're expanding that to Europe as well. And what that program looks like is we can provide up to 50% funding of a store improvement project. And those projects can range, like we've just mentioned, tables and chairs, but it could also be remodeling projects or even getting funding to establish something like e-commerce, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we did pilot this program in North America last year, like Luke said, excited to be expanding that to Europe as well. And we've had a number of stores that have done things like completely gotten new sets of tables and chairs, right? Or even renovation projects for their game area. Um, like Luke said, though, there are also a number of other things you can apply for, like getting a storefront online set up, getting a good e-commerce platform. So please, by all means, if you are in North America or now Europe, Feel free to apply for that. We'd be happy to take a look. And especially if you're working towards WPN Premium, uh, we'd like to see what we can do to help you. And I think what a lot of this comes down to is that attaining WPN Premium really is not as daunting as a lot of the retailers that I've spoken with think. You know, at first glance, our quality checklist, it can seem like a lot, like giant sweeping changes. But if you work with retail developments to make, again, those small incremental changes over the period of not too much time, I think you'll see your quality go up and you may even cross that line to get that official designation of WPN Premium. Um, our retail development teams are standing by to help you do that. Again, we've got the grant program, so we want to do everything we can to help you get there. Yeah, I, I want to jump on that bit about the, the daunting side of it. A lot of people can get daunted by it, but... In its core, premium is about obsessing over quality and making sure all of the little things in your store are well looked after that constitutes to a, a bigger purpose, um, you know. And that, for me, is, is just super important to get across, you know. And that's one of the things that I go through with many store owners is we're not looking at changing the store completely, but we're looking at tidying up, we're looking at optimizing, we're looking at making gradual improvements to the business until it hits that point of premium. I have a question. How long does it take, on average, for somebody to go through the approval process? Like, if someone's starting off at like the average point for a game store to get to, you know, standard level of premium, what do you think? Uh, we think that would take. Yeah, that's a great question, and of course, we actually do look into this. So, uh, in my experience, at least with North America, for stores that actually do make it to WPN Premium, it usually takes about two, two and a half months from start to finish. Now, of course, that can vary. We've had some stores that have only needed to make minor changes, you know, kind of rearrange a few things, get a, get a few uh, additional materials up in a different way. And so that could be a matter of weeks. There's also stores that have been in there for, you know, six months that have worked steadily towards it. However, I will say this, you don't start seeing those benefits just when you cross the line to WPN Premium. As retailers start to make those smaller changes, they've told us that they're seeing better customer experience. They have customers commenting on those upgrades that they've seen. So, you know, even just working towards it is a benefit in and of itself. Uh, but yeah, typically it takes a few months and I think that average is around two and a two and a half months for North America. Yeah, it's, it's really important to understand this is a very unique journey that every business is taking. So while there may be a, a median average, and of course we have analytics and stats on things like that, 
we don't use that on a one-to-one a one -one basis. So we're not saying, you know, you're behind par because it's taking you a bit longer or, you know, really great job because you managed to do it in two weeks. You know, some stores are able to do that. Fantastic to them. Some stores, it can take six months. And, and we've, we've put in place, like, we'll work with you for up to six months on getting to premium. But I'll be honest with you, there's a couple of stores in the UK where we hit six months and I said, we're not giving up. We're not letting go just yet. We're this, we're, we're inches away from getting you to premium. So let's just, you know, tackle those finer details, those last minute things um, to get you over the line. And, you know, I, I think every retail developer is the same. If there's an appetite from the business owner and they're really wanting to push themselves to premium, it could take two weeks, it could take six months, it could take a little bit longer, and we're going to support you and help you get there. Beautiful. That's what I wanted to know. Follow-up question. Flooring. One of the big questions was like, well, what do we do about the floor? How sometimes it's like, well, you need a, your flooring is not up to par and it needs some sort of replacement, but that can be quite a challenge for some stores. So I, I think this speaks to, you know, how long it takes to kind of achieve a premium status. If uh, your store is, you know, a thousand square feet, you know, that, that, that's a reasonable cost, right? The floor, redoing a floor on a thousand square feet, not, not absurd, but still something to tackle. Whereas if you're 13,000 square feet, like the Sentry Box, they might be a completely other sort of challenge. Yeah, and I think for cases like that, you need to understand, is this, what's the impact gonna have on your business? If you removed premium from the equation entirely, and you just looked at optimizing the customer experience, seeing where your store is at right now, and what the potential your store could be at if everything was looking great, first of all, is that an expense that as a business you're willing to commit to irrespective of premium? You know, we're not trying to force people to spend tens of thousands of dollars if they don't see a benefit to that. So you need to understand that for your own store. And then the second part is about financing that. If, if you're in a position where you can make that, that financial commitment and you can put a, a premium application on hold by the way. So maybe you're thinking, I can make that commitment some months down the line or even a year down the line. You could just be really honest with us and go, hey, it's going to take me some time to get to get that sorted. Can we put this on pause? Can we reconvene at a different point? And, and we will do that. We'll either put an application on hold or we'll just say, okay, if it's going to be a year down the line, we're not going to forget the conversation we've had, but we'll welcome you to reapply when you think you've got that area sorted. And finally, I'd like to point back to the Retailer Improvement Grant. That is exactly the kind of project that the Retailer Improvement Grant was set up for. You know, this is a big expense. This is something that the store may not feel comfortable investing in on their own so they can make that application they can present the case and talk about how it's going to have a big impact we'll review that and we can look to fund that for them as well you know partially fund that sorry for them as well um, so i hope that sort of helps with some of those stores that have those more kind of heavy investments that they may may be looking to make to get to premium yeah absolutely and you know flooring actually is one of the more common proposals that we get for the grants and we've actually seen some great outcomes just recently i think we've uh, even highlighted on the wpn website um, some great projects we've been able to help with in terms of flooring but just to kind of drive luke's point home there so every quality of the requirements for wpn premium are aspects that we believe are going to be beneficial for your business, regardless of whether you reach the designation. Of course, that's always the endpoint goal, and we want to help stores get there. But if there's something you feel that would independently also be beneficial to you, we're not going to push you into that. You know, the WPN Premium Program, the benefits are worthy. We, we want them to be desirable. We want them to feel worthy of putting time and effort to attaining, but they're not intended in any way to be make and break, right? So the vast majority of benefits for the WPN, that is access to our Wizards Event Link tool, you know, promotional materials like promo packs, exclusive products and things like that, uh, those are still going to be available to anyone. But if you're looking for just that little oomph, that's maybe all you've needed to start focusing on making those improvements, whether there's something big like a floor investment or just something like rethinking about your customer service protocols or how you have your merchandising and ads laid out. We want to have that extra little reward to push you over and get you to do that. Right. We're seeing these great stores emerge in the industry already. And we as Wizards of the Coast say, OK, we've got the resources. What can we do to encourage stores to follow that lead? Yeah, and, and Tom, I just want to jump in on, on a store that, that really pings out of my head as, as Nelson was talking there. There's a store I was working with in Wales who needed to improve their carpets, and they didn't just rip up every, like the flooring, they had carpets for their floor. They didn't just rip up all of the carpet and get it done in one fell swoop. 
they divided up their store and did it in chunks. So play space gets tackled, entrance area gets tackled, and then merchandise area gets tackled. So by doing it that way, they didn't shut their store at any given point, and they managed it in a really delicate way that helped them, you know, complete the task, but minimizing any risk to, to kind of losing football or traffic in the store itself. And I just wanted to jump in on that point, because I thought that would be a good example to, to kind of talk. And by the way, that is a 500-player capacity store. So it's pretty big deal for them. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like it. Taking it piece by piece is often the way to go. And uh, our retail development teams, they encourage stores to do just that. You don't got to do everything at once. What can you do now to make a small improvement and then move on to the next one once you've got the bandwidth? So we've talked about some of the obstacles, obviously, uh, that people run into during the process, some things that they've had to deal with, some of the bigger challenges. Uh, is there anything else that uh, you've seen as common issues or common challenges that store owners have had to overcome? And you know, what, what do those look like? Yeah, I can jump in on some of these. So uh, allow me to be quite blunt on this one, if that's okay. Um, first of all, do. posters and uh, any sort of marketing materials frame them they look amazing framed and they look professional uh, if you want a guiding star for that it needs to look like it's permanent in your store like it has a purpose in your store even if the poster itself is temporary maybe it's advertising an event that's happening in three months the positioning of where you've put that poster in your store needs to make it look permanent so maybe you take that poster out when the events happened and replace it with another poster and that's why framing it works so well okay uh, the second one i would say is merchandising. Get nerdy on merchandising. Do some research on that. The amount of store owners that I say, so what qualifications do you have in merchandising? What research have you done? What articles have you read? What have you done to get yourself equipped for merchandising? And fair play, a lot of people have just gone, I just haven't done that. I, you know, I, I bought a game store, I put stock on the shelves, I try and put, you know, the stock that, that flies the most at the front of the customer. Um, and maybe some of the more expensive items behind the cabinets and in the counters and stuff like that. Um, but, but really understand what businesses are doing. Bigger, it doesn't have to be the gaming industry, but the retail industry at large. There is loads of theory when it comes to merchandising concepts and it's out there. Now, fair play, we're going to help you with that from a retail development point of view. Um, but we don't know it all either. There is just thousands of articles out there like color theory, key merchandising principles, asymmetrical designs, you know, front-facing products, allowing things to breathe, dedicated sections in the store. Sorry, I could go on for days about this, but yeah, basically <laughs> look at merchandising principles. Exactly, exactly. Is there any resources that you would want to point to in particular, any books or anything like that that you would recommend somebody check out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one good kind of go-to for this is there's one called Why We Buy by Paco Underhill. This yeah. essentially just goes into the science of what that retail experience uh, is like, you know, how you can organize the layout of your store. So you've got kind of a purposeful path through your store that you have advertisements facing in the right direction and that they're by the right merchandising areas, things like that. So that's a good one that, that I've enjoyed personally. Yeah, I think uh, on a more entertainment uh, level. So if you want to go down the book, book learning route, I think that is a great book to pick up. And I, I'm pretty sure most of the people on the retail development team have read that, actually. Um, but if you want some entertainment, there was a TV show that was filmed in the UK. I don't know how easy it is to get hold of, called Mary, Queen of Shops. And um, she went around loads of different retail units, you know, stores that maybe were, were struggling with sales or, or stores that were struggling with uh, relevancy in an ever-changing kind of retail environment and these are not stores selling the coolest products in the world which local game stores do let's be honest um you know these could be hardware stores or, or, or convenience stores and places like that and um they would do case studies on those stores and basically just look to, to renovate them in, a, in an almost sort of tv show typical kind of kitchen nightmare style you know things like that but it was really cool to watch how they would go about it and what they would focus on. Uh, the other thing I would say is, aside from you know podcasts like this and, and other industry, uh, you know ICB2 things like that as well. Um, go to conventions uh, for, for the UK. There's uh, UK Retail Expo, for example, um, and all that is 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 just company after company after company presenting retail solutions, seminars, um, best practices, and things like that that you can go to. And I'm sure there's there's plenty more in mainland Europe and, of course, over in, in North America as well. So, yeah, that, that's a really good way to do it. But the final thing I would say is 
use the, the support groups that you have. So Tom, you've mentioned that you work in a couple of retailer support groups. Nelson runs our WPN community group. Um, and that group is there to have people ask questions and throw ideas up and suggestions up on stuff like merchandising concepts and listen and learn from other retailers as well. Yeah, exactly. That The uh, WPN Facebook group, which by the way, is anyone who is in the Wizards Play Network is welcome to join. You can just search Wizards Play Network North America on Facebook. Um, it's a great resource and there are constantly discussions about things like Luke mentioned. How are you setting up your stores? How are you organizing your tournaments? You know, how are you structuring your prize support and things like that? So welcome anyone to join that. I'll uh, make sure to get you in there. Sounds good. Sounds good. And anyone who wants to find that real easily, you'll be able to just go to the notes and click the link. It'll take you right there. All right. So I think that was a, some good coverage on the WPN program, the approval process. I wanted to ask a little bit more of a philosophical question, and that Please. is what is the WPN program trying to achieve? What is premium trying to achieve overall? What is the, the end yes. goal? And I love this question. Well, you know, so the Wizards Play Network and the WPN Premium program itself are really all about one thing. That's working with stores to help them be successful. Now, that's meant a lot of different things. That's taken a lot of different forms over the years. But at the end of the day, that's it, right? So originally, the WPN was just about providing materials and guidance for selling Wizards of the Coast products. Well, again, with that evolution towards the WPN Premium Program, it's become more about working closely with those stores to help them develop their customer experiences and ultimately their, grow their business, right? I mean, LGS represent our brands to millions of fans across the world. Often it is the first taste of Magic the Gathering or Dungeons and Dragons that you're going to get. So it's super important to us that those experiences are good. There's a reason why we're investing in this, right? I will say a lot of us here at Wizards of the Coast, obviously Luke and myself included, we're lifelong game store patrons. We love it, you know, on kind of just a deeper personal level. I just want to see game stores do well. But of course, there's a business side to this as well. If those venues that are being that first experience with magic are memorable and fun we're going to be much more likely to convert those players into lifelong lovers of our games yeah nelson i, I want to touch on that part uh the, the the new player stuff because you know engaged players are going to find your store they're going to support your store and that is fantastic and the w pin is there for that you know it, it's it's a badge that you can have as a store owner and go hey you're into magic you love this game we're going to run events for you we're going to have product for you to buy and that's awesome but we're trying to grow the amount of people who play Magic and the amount of people who turn up to your store. So acquiring new players, that is key. And what does that look like? It's got to be top-notch experience. Newer players are more sensitive. You know, they may, may be a bit more intimidated walking into a game store for the first time. They may have nerves. You know, I, I, I certainly have. I, I stopped working in retail in 2016. And it was only two years later, in 2018, I went out of digital marketing came to work for Wizards of the Coast, walked into a game store, and I was nervous. And I'm like, hang on a minute. I've I've run these stores for 10 years. What am I doing? Why am I feeling like this? It's just been so long since I've been in one. Um, so I want people to really think about that and give that incredible first-time experience with organized play, with Magic the Gathering, and keeping those, those players engaged. That is at the core of what the WPN program is trying to achieve. And what is the result of that? It could be someone that comes to your store again and again and again for years to come. Or in my case, <laughs> I'm a living example, for decades to come. And for many people I know who are, you know, started their journey into gaming in the mid-90s and we're now in 2021 and we're still, you know, regularly turning up to stores, you know, of course, when they're open and when things are, uh, you know, okay to do so. No, that's a great point. And franchise players, you know, they're probably going to come to your store no matter what in the area. They're going to look for what's available to them to play things like D&D and Magic. But it's really all about making sure there's broad appeal to those newer players that maybe have never walked into a game store, maybe have never had the desire to walk into a game store. And, you know, I actually I think I think it speaks to maybe even a deeper purpose, right, which is to kind of elevate that perception of what a game store experience is like. I think a lot of non-gamers have kind of a stereotypical idea of it, right? Maybe from like old movies and TV tropes that they can be kind of, you know, dark and sometimes unfriendly. Everyone here, we all know that is not the case anymore. That, that has changed tremendously over the decades. Game stores in some ways are becoming some of the highest quality retail experiences you can have, right? So we want to continue to stimulate that growth. 
and at the same time, show off how awesome these LGS are to the world. You know, gamers are everywhere. Increasingly, they're becoming everyone. So let's continue to do what we can to attract new faces into the lifestyle that uh, I, know, I know the three of us all love here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's a, a great point to emphasize about the new players. And it's funny because I've had the exact same experience as as you, Luke, with going into a new store. Just, even if it's even if you've been to stores before, going into a new store somewhere new can be almost intimidating. Like you're walking into someone else's turf somewhere that's a little bit unfamiliar because it is this it's a world, right? It's a community that you are kind of walking into and kind of seeing where you fit in. So if you can make your store welcoming to that sort of person, as well as the person who's never encountered the game before, never, you know, maybe played anything beyond Monopoly, not to knock Monopoly or anything like that, but that's, that's a big portion of the population. If, if you can make it so that your place of business is something that they're excited to go into or interested or intrigued, or, you know, you kind of pique that curiosity and you welcome them into the fold, that could be a major asset for for you and for pretty much everybody involved. hundred percent. Right? I mean, that's why we obsess over it with premium even more so. And, you know, Magic's only ever getting bigger and bigger. And the same with Dungeons and Dragons, you know, we have so much more stuff coming. Uh, but for, for me, it's, you know, customers make unconscious perceptions of stores the moment they walk in. So when you're a new person walking into any store, it doesn't need to be a game store, it could be anything. There, there's a thing called the landing strip in a store, which is normally where the welcome mat is on a store. That's your landing strip. And most people are going to shoot a panoramic of the store the moment they go in. And they've made a snap decision in their head as to whether this is a place that they're comfortable with or scared of or whatever. All these emotions will kick in in around the first six seconds of being there. The three big things that, that retailers will need to think about there is the sights. What are people seeing when they take that panoramic? The sounds, what are they listening to? You know, what's the music like in the store, if there is any? What's the tone of conversation going on? Is there any profanities going on? You know, that's a big alarm bell for, for some people walking in. And the smells as well. You know, both, those are the three things that hit you when you walk into any environment. Just like you'd walk into a restaurant and go, that smells amazing. Is It's the same way you're going to go into a store and you're going to have those senses hit you. And it's about making sure that is looked after, especially for those newer players who like it's their first time coming in. Yep. And for WPM Premium, that's exactly what we're looking for is that wow factor right when you walk in the door and not just from the quality of the space itself, but also the customer service, right? Do you at least get some sort of, it doesn't need to be overwhelming, but at least some sort of acknowledgement of your presence. Is it clear that there's someone that's going to help you make a purchase decision or even guide you towards an event uh, if you are newer to the ecosystem there? So these are all very important aspects of uh, WPM Premium and the WPN at large. Of course, we, we expect all of these for uh, any store that's in our network. What can store owners do to make the most of the premium status? So the way I wanted to think about this question was that somebody's made it. They're like, okay, I'm, I made it. I've, I've achieved the gold standard. I am a premium store. Now, what can I do to make the most out of this? How can I, you know, emphasize this to the right people and that sort of thing? What, what, have, what have you seen stores do to kind of like stand out? Yeah, well, we should talk about both the payoff of hitting WPM premium, all that comes with, and then talk about continuing to optimize your badge of premium and what that comes with. So uh, let's tackle material benefits first. So to start off with, WPM premium is coming with a series of promotional items that can really help amplify the aesthetic and the quality nature of your business. You know, you've hit a benchmark already. We're going to help you take that even further. So the first thing you get when you join WPM premium a beautiful LED magic sign that's lit up. You can have that in your store window, your magic area behind your till. We're also going to send you a metal WPN premium plaque so you can show that off. And that's for every store that makes it to premium. And then we can go down the other benefits that come along as well. So uh, one of the things you can make use of is the collector boosters that we allow you to sell earlier during your pre-release, which is a WPN premium perk. The better product and promotional allocations that we send out for WPM Premium stores, the fact that WPM Premium intended releases happen, such as the all-foil version of Commander Collection Green that we released at the end of last year. And more or less every season, it feels like we are adding more benefits to WPM Premium. So there's seasonal things that you get. If you hit it by this date, you get this one-shot, like, kind of perk chest, as it were. Um, the last one I can remember, Nelson, was the, 
the stylized wall treatments that seem to be all, all over the place on our um, our Facebook group. You know, store owners are starting to get those come in. And uh, what that looks like, Tom, store owners were able to select as one of the perks from last year of getting their walls done up with, um, you know, some of our characters for, from, from Magic. And we'd actually get people to go into their store and install that professionally. So, Nelson, I know you could probably speak a bit more about that because you admin that group. Has there been... What's been kind of the feedback on that front? Yeah, absolutely. It's probably been one of our most positively received WPN premium benefits. Essentially, the way it works, we actually work with a third-party company that actually implements the renovation. And you choose from a set of Magic the Gathering designs, and there's a lot of them, so each store can have kind of a different look and make sure that it matches the rest of their aesthetic. Uh, and we actually come in and we, we use that company to install it. So this is a full-blown, essentially like a, a high-quality mural that you can add to your game space or whatever appropriate space in your store uh, needs a little sprucing up there. Um, we've seen a lot of examples of these come through the WPN Facebook group. They even cropped up on Reddit recently, which was pretty cool, you know, kind of on the back end here when it comes to uh, Wizards of the Coast, that is kind of the nuts and bolts of working with stores. We don't often get a lot of that press that uh, is more visible to our players. So that was really cool to see. Yeah. Uh, another big one, too, that has just got to be mentioned here is on our store locator tool, if you are WPN Premium, you do get a special badge there. So you actually stand out against the rest of the stores in the list. We've even got a feature that randomly shows a WPN premium store from the area at the top of the list. So you do get that extra visibility on our store locator. Yeah, and one of the other benefits uh, that I can mention is the digital marketing assets. We will send enhanced uh, digital marketing assets to WPN premium stores that have our WPN premium logos that they can use to really amplify their social media presence. Um, I've been blessed to work with the Nordic stores uh, over here in Europe, and they do a fantastic job of this. We have a number of those out in Sweden, Finland, Norway, and every single post they're putting on their social media, they are proud and they are advertising, we are premium, and it goes with everything they're doing, and it, it looks really good on social media. So, of course, there's those material benefits. You can literally show off to the world that you've gotten Wizards of the Coast stamp of approval as a WPN premium store. Uh, and you do have those additional benefits that can help with sales. But one thing that I always try to emphasize is our retail development team isn't there just to get you to premium and then let you go. We, we want to keep working with you to help improving your store's customer experience. And you know, in my, in my time visiting stores, which again has been just a ton over, over uh, across North America, the best retailers by far, the ones that I walk in, I'm like, wow, your store is amazing. You know, this is like a top 5% store that I've ever seen. They don't see it that way. They are, all they can see are the little faults, little areas where they can improve. So I think having that self-critical uh, attitude and that desire to always be evaluating and finding ways to continue to make your store better, that is just one of the biggest qualities of our best retailers out there uh, and that's exactly what we're looking for in wpm premium yeah that that right there is the dna of premium store owners like every single premium store owner across the planet shares that no no store owner i know hits premium it just goes yep brilliant sits on their laurels you know they will constantly be looking for ways to improve their business uh i, I don't know if you guys uh know the term the kaizen approach that you know kind of small and gradual improvements but this, this is what premium store owners do. They hit premium, but they don't just sit there and go, excellent. They're like, right, what's next? What what can I keep improving? <laughs> and it's just super to see. You know, when people have that mentality, it's no surprise they reach premium and, and just go on further from there as well. The way that I'm kind of visualizing it is premium is the black belt. You've made it, you're a black belt. You are at the top of your, your game, but it doesn't mean that there's not like 10 levels of black belt that you can just keep getting better and better and spending decades, you know, honing your craft and becoming... Uh, better than you were yesterday. Yeah, no, I love that metaphor, right? You, you get to the top, there are still many degrees, infinite degrees more that you can do to improve. And I'm really excited to see what the coming decade shows us with this industry, right? Because we have seen such crazy growth. We've seen that top end of game store just continue to rise. So I think we've got some really cool things coming. Yeah, I, I've been watching Cobra Kai recently. You have LaRusso, Lawrence, they're both like top of their game. But they're not just going to stop once they get that black belt. They want to beat each other. You know, they are they are continuing to improve themselves. And, and that for me, like, yeah, like you said, you get that black belt. But you don't stop once you get the black belt. You you continue to push yourself higher and higher. And I, I think it's great. I really do. And hey, some of those benefits you get from premium, they're going to help you do just that. 
right? They're going to help you keep raising that quality. Uh, and the teams, of course, are, are happy to continue working with you. I think it's a good point. Good point to kind of segue into what can people do to get more information on the premium program, WPN, going through the approval process. What can people do to, to find out more? Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, we do have a number of self-serve online options for getting information about all of our programs, including WPN Premium. Uh, the website for that is WPN.Wizards.com. It's got a lot of kind of nuts and bolts, product details, upcoming event dates, things like that. But we also consistently put out uh, articles. These are tips and tricks articles for how to develop certain aspects of your business or how to market some of our products. We've even got retailer testimonials, some that have actually gone through the WPN path to premium uh, and can share some of their challenges, how they tackled some of their stores, particular obstacles there. Um, and just a ton of information. And as mentioned, we do also have that WPN Facebook group as well, where you can ask questions to folks like myself or to your fellow retailers. And we're pretty good about making sure that is another information channel whenever we've got announcements or new products. Yeah, that's the online side of it, but you can take it offline with us as well. And this is what I recommend. If you really want to get started on WPN Premium, have a chat with us. We have a global team of retail development specialists. We're here. We're literally on standby waiting for emails, waiting for people to come and become premium. And how that works, if you're a current WPN member, go to askwpn.wizards.com, our web form, and you can apply for premium. What that does is it instantly triggers us to get in touch with you and discuss that premium application further. Okay? No store starts with all of those requirements checked. So even if your store is not yet there for premium, if you have the appetite and ambition, I highly suggest you apply and we will take that journey to get into premium with you. Yeah, that's a really good point because I think a lot of folks kind of get scared away when they see the requirement checklist, but it's not about having all those when you start on the path to premium, right? That's what the path is. It's about achieving those slowly with your retail development specialist. Uh, and of course, I know probably there are plenty of listeners that you have here that aren't even in the Wizards Play Network, maybe even some brick and mortar game store owners. So that same website, WPN.Wizards.com, has all of the requirements and information you need to sign up. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in selling our products and improving your business and running events, we'd love to have you. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm very glad to have spoken with you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you came on the show and Gave us some of the background info on the premium program, on the WPN program, and how retailers can really you know, level up their game, really step up what they're doing and, and uh, raise the bar for everybody. So I want to thank you for, uh, for giving me your time. Oh, Tom, it's, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure for my end, and, and, and thank you too. I mean, you know, now I'll probably speak for Nelson as well, but being able to talk passionately for an hour about all things WPN, local game store, and WPN premium is is just fantastic. So you know, thank you too for having us on here. Yep. I absolutely thrilled to be on the show here and uh, yeah, hopefully we can get some more folks excited about WPN premium, but the bottom line is just finding ways to continue to make their customer experience a little bit better. Absolutely. But before we completely sign off, I do want to ask one follow-up question. It's a question that I usually ask most of the people who come on this podcast because the general the general angle or the topic we're exploring is success. That's, that's the kind of the thing we're circling around most of the time. But success is a very personal, subjective, nebulous term. It's, it's hard to define for most people. So I usually want to close by asking, what does success look like for you guys in terms of, let's say, the WPN program? That's a great question. For me personally, uh, in the long term, kind of bigger picture here, this would be a general elevation of the game store industry, right? So of course we want stores to be successful on an individual basis in terms of being able to sell our products successfully and build and grow communities. But as I touched on a little bit before, we really want to elevate what the idea of a game store is to the average person. And, you know, independent game stores are who we work with. At, at best, we can help them out and guide them there. Ultimately, this is their baby, right? They have to develop their own brand, their own stores to do it. But any way we can to possibly just kind of give a boost to what it means to be a game store, that's what we're going for. So if in 10 years from now, when the average person thinks of a game store, they think about just a super high quality, friendly customer service experience, that would be a success for us. Yeah, for, for me, um, 
I'll answer it in a sort of negative, but into the sort of positive way. I mean, the the amount of people I've seen try and get into games in general, hobby games, no matter what they are, and sometimes you can have really negative experiences trying to interact with the community or, or first time. You know, you don't get a game, and you just don't get it. You don't get the support that you need, and I want to eliminate that where I can. I want places where people can go and they can feel welcome, they can feel encouraged, they can feel supported. And it's not just themselves going in, um, but those who are supporting them. So, you know, children going into to game stores looking to get a game for the first time, they walk in, they get excited by the game, and there's going to be someone friendly to support them getting into that game. And their parents are going to go, this place is awesome. This place is clean, tidy. It's a real positive vibe. It's a real positive atmosphere. And that person gets into, it could be magic, it could be any game. And they become a lifelong fan of gaming in general and explore all of the different awesome games that there are to grab. Um, and it doesn't have to be a child and parent who go in. You know, it could be a couple walk in. Um, it could be someone who's retired, who's gone, I've got loads of time on my hands. And they walk past a store and it is approachable and it is welcoming. And they just go for the first time in their life they look at these dragons, they look at all of this cool imagery, and they go, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to walk inside there and get an amazing experience inside. That's where they're going to go every week for the rest of their life. That, for me, is what success looks like. That's what the WPN is about. I think that's a great way to close. And just the, the visual I had in my mind, the thought of the person walking into that store was, where has this been all my life? Yeah. I'd love for that to be like the first yes. experience <laughs> for every single person who comes into a game store. Absolutely. Right. I learned about this sooner. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Excellent. Pleasure to be yeah, here. Yeah, thanks, Tom. It's been, it's been great. All right. Thank you for listening to today's interview with Luke May and Nelson Brown from Wizards of the Coast on the 100th episode of the Maniverse podcast. I had a lot of fun with this one, and I definitely appreciate the guys making the time to come on the show with me today. If you want to find out more about the WPN, go to wpn.wizard.com or head over to the show notes for this episode where you'll find all the links that we mentioned over the course of the interview. Until next time, I'm Tom Trappen and I've been your host. Thanks for listening, and I will see you in the next episode of the Maniverse Podcast. <laughs>